0: So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here's the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cashflow to Freedom. All right. Welcome to Cashflow to Freedom. This episode, we are talking about debt, the good, the bad, the ugly. Everybody, I'm really excited to get into this Episode because it is one of the most misunderstood aspects of financing, of growing your business, investing, and everything in between. And I think one of the major reasons is because it's not Clear. So today we're going to talk all about it: how to use it appropriately, how to not. We'll get into everything. And of course, today I have my co-host here, Rock Pelon. How you doing, man? you
1: yeah, doing good. I'm excited for this one. I think it is uh, important and overlooked. People are always like, "Oh, I need to avoid all debt," and I think that that could that could actually be the wrong thing to do sometimes.
0: It's interesting because I view like financial literacy in general. It's very much not understood with any literacy. You know, having children and seeing them grow up. It's like a stair step. Like they'll be talking about certain things where normally you'd correct them or tell them no, but I won't even correct them because I'm like, you're not at a point yet to understand maybe quite a certain level. So it's like you're understanding these basic concepts and it's probably good that you understand. So I don't, we don't even go there. Right. And I feel like a lot of times financing can be like that. Like people won't even go in to talk about the upper Echelons of finance and how debt works, everything, because they're like, you still are piling up $50,000 on credit cards. Yeah. You don't even need to begin to understand how financing for investing or business works, right? Yep. And it's hard because it's simple, but yet nobody really talks about it, or they talk about it in just very black and white because they don't want to have that, I think, the level of complexity in a discussion that it takes to understand. Right. And I think right before you ever you, before we even get started, there's a few things people need to understand about the marketplace. And when you deal in marketplaces in the stock market, right? And that's the main market. You have a real estate markets, stock markets, and that's that's really when people think about markets and But you got to re- realize that debt market is really the only market that matters in the world. The debt market is everything the stock market i mean it doesn't even register on the scale of the debt market it's mm-hmm. just not even there you're just talking astronomical amounts of money you know you're talking 50 plus like trillion i mean it is just so overwhelmingly huge and that is essentially what money is yep. if at the end of the day we have i, I got to i should have pulled up these facts before i got it but you know, two trillion, something like that, maybe three trillion in actual currency, right? That mm-hmm. anyone even uses. Yep. But the total cumulative of currency in the United States has gotta be something like eighty trillion dollars, right? And it's not even it, 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 that is all debt. And that's how it's calculated and moved around. So, you know, I think first of all, before we even get started in this conversation, it's important to know that at the end of the day, money is debt. The money that you're holding is a note that is holded by somebody else that is promised by something or someone else, even down to the fundamental format of our government and how it creates capital because it's not backed by the gold. It is simply backed by the promissory note of the United States government that someday we will pay back all this debt that we have. That's how we get currency. Right. So you not having debt doesn't mean your capital and your money and your bank that you use and everyone else doesn't have debt. Now, with that said, I'm not saying to go out and get debt. So let's start. We'll start all the way at the beginning. Let's kind of kick it off, let's talk about personal finance, and then we'll get much more into these debt markets. But there are some general rules starting out and things that you should do to set yourself up right and not. And uh, I mean, right when you're getting out, right when you're starting starting out, like, what are some key ones that you just need to avoid?
1: Yeah, you avoid consumer debt. You avoid debt that where you, you spend your taxed money on things and you leverage yourself like a good example is like using credit cards to buy tvs furniture toys food and and not having the mu- like you can use credit card to get the points and pay that off and it, like as long as it's like you spend a hundred you pay that hundred back but most of the time people carry a balance on their credit cards with like a massive interest rate on it. And they'll just kind of slowly bury themselves. I think that one, student loan debt in a way depends on the degree and and where you're getting your degree from. But most of the time, anything over like 15 grand, I just avoid it entirely. And 15 grand over the four years, not 15 grand per semester. Because at the end of that, I mean, you're looking at having a really nice car payment or a house payment on a degree that you get 40 grand a year from, at least entry level. And you might be able to work your way up. You can do the math on it and you can see- that not, consumer debt doesn't make you doesn't get you anywhere. It buries you in a hole. And student loan debt, I would say, 80 percent of the time for most people, it buries them in a hole for a long time. That's not to say it's a good investment, like, cause, cause obviously getting a STEM degree or getting, I mean, I got a business degree, I don't use it and, but I'm glad I did it. And I think at the end, like I worked my way through it and took me seven years, but at the end I don't
0: have debt, So it was worth, like that was a worthwhile experience. But as people, we like rules. Like I want to understand the framework in which I should be working and I think the first easy framework that you need to realize is exactly how you stated it. Consumer debt is bad. And I just that's just a general rule. Now, then there gets into all these questions on, well, what is consumer debt? Which you would think is simple, but it's really a lot of people have questions about that. I view as there's this appropriate debt, especially for those people starting out, you have a house, car, and maybe some student loan debt, right? Now, I don't suggest you having all this debt at the same time though, either. But understanding that for most people, these are three facts of life. Well, first of all, you can get a cheap car and work on paying that debt off as quick as possible. Cars should get you point A or point B, or you can lease a car where you have a fixed payment. You can get rid of it every three years. It's not weighting down the debt on you. And there's one reason that I'm always like car payments and car debt is probably the worst kind of debt, even worse than student loan debt, because it does nothing for you except go down. All it does is depreciate. So the asset that you hold gives you no economic standing. It gives you no economic foothold. There's absolutely zero economic return to it, and it depreciates massively. So the spread that you get hit with is huge. It just gets worse. And it's never, ever going to benefit you. It only makes your financials more sickly, so to speak. Now, with that said, we live in America. You have to have a vehicle. Yeah. It is one of those things that it it is kind of a necessity. Now, house too. I don't necessarily qualify a house as an asset because it is not something that necessarily pays you. Now, with that said, it is the greatest wealth creator that has ever occurred in the United States. It's just, that's unarguable. Most people that retire get a huge portion of their retirements from their homes, but two, they treated it like a home. I needed a place to live. I'd rather be paying down debt on something that I own that's appreciating over time because in 30 years, this is going to work out great. Now, if I'm moving or I'm flipping or I'm actually treating my house like, once again, I, I, like an investment, like, oh, I'm just going to flip it and make money, eh, that's totally different. And uh, that can be a really risky game, and also too. Like I, I would state that my house—it's not only—it it is probably more consumer. I don't need a house as big as I live in. It's definitely to me past the point into consumerism. I, I'm okay saying that because there is a point where homes are—you're just—you're yeah. spending money that doesn't need. But you now did, I'm okay. with You it, bought it perfectly,
1: and you've had—you've—you've you've had the appreciation like. That, that would pay for itself twice over. Easy. Yeah, so, yeah we have
0: $800 plus thousand dollars in equity. Because sitting. you bought it in yeah. 2012. Yeah, I would never buy my house the, today. Ever. Yeah, that ever. would never even happen. But um, we got it distressed and it was, there was the land was bankrupted, on and on and on. So it was a wise financial decision because our payments basically didn't change, but we got more. But the mentality or state that you go into buying a home, it should be not as consumerism, right? Like necessity. It, it should be of necessity.
1: Yeah, and I think the same thing with student loans and anything. Else yes that you need exactly and, and i think y- to top like that, I mean, when you're looking at that type of debt, th- the things you have and the things that you want, they shouldn't exceed, like, you should be able to pay for them out of pocket aside from those two, the car and the, the house. And other than that, I mean, then you kind of move into that higher level of debt where it's like you're, you're, and you could even look at a house like this, but getting lines of credit and other forms of debt to kind of push your life forward versus kind of pulling your life
0: back. So many people have done that. Yeah. yeah. And two, one of the things you got to understand that. Even though we can say as much as you want, listen, a house is not an asset, right? Because it doesn't give you income, which is true, but banks don't view it that way. It's collateral. Yeah, for it's them. collateral. Yeah. And if you have nothing to your name a good at be- all, yeah. like then it becomes very hard for anyone to say, I'm going to take a bet on you because I don't got anything to get back. Right, And so a lot of Americans, that's how they invest. That's how they start businesses. It is through that mode. It's, it's something that they have tangible to your name. I think probably a better way of doing it though, especially young people starting out, is the way that you went about it. So kind of, why don't you, you kind of got the best of both worlds and why don't you explain with your, the house? your avenue with the house hacking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I bought a house in 2015. It was a duplex and I bought it for $155,000 and I lived in one side and rented out the other. And at the time I was like, oh, I wonder if this is a good idea. And it was like, I had no idea where we'd be today. But that, the my, having a roommate in my side and then having the tenants on the other side covered my debt payment. And I also got the benefits of obviously the appreciation, which it's doubled in value now. My rents are double as well. I've doubled the rents on each side and I don't live there anymore. And so it was like the best, the best way to get a house, have that experience, start real estate investing and kind of just create a launch pad to do other things. Because now I do, I do, I did kind of go in the consumer route. I do have a nicer car. I do like to eat out a lot, but it's not like all my consumer expenses go into an account already allocated and then I save the 50%. I don't even see the 50%, it just goes to another account. Automated. And, and so I don't go into over leverage or like living beyond my means because it's all kind of pre calculated and I keep trying to build. Foundation, like with the real estate and with the businesses, because as long as I can keep building the foundation and that's not at risk, I'll just I'll I'm not I'm not going to worry about spending and living. And doing that stuff,
0: and you know it's interesting too when you look at so this now we've kind of moved into this other other category that you're talking about now. First, you have okay, let's call this just relative importance of debt or what it is and classified what you should and shouldn't do. And I think there's some clear rules as we've kind of yeah. talked about before, right? Like Consumer, the do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts, yeah. right? But that we we didn't talk about anything has to do with income. It, it's just there's some just do's and don'ts, right? right. It, in fact, doesn't really matter what your income is if you can't pay off that credit card every single month, you shouldn't be spending. You should stop. Stop immediately. It'll um, bury you. Yeah. It'll just erode you away. So I have credit cards. I use them. We have business credit cards. I don't know. We, we must have like 40 something credit cards, business credit cards. Yeah, I mean, different we, facilities, we can different, pay them off yep. at, at any time, right? But we use that to everything from gaining points to there's tons of reasons too. Yep. We, we take family trips to Hawaii just on our po- points, which we can do multiple times a year. There's good reasons to use them, but it's not a, we don't use it as a debt source, right? right. But those things are absent of income. So I, I just view those as standard rules, right? If you're getting a house, if you're, you need to get through college, you don't have the ways to pay for it, right? Or you need a car, those are obviously given. But if you and your fiance just bought a house and you don't have any money, but you want to go to Europe for a month, so you put it all on a credit card. Okay. These are just simple do's and don'ts. Now you're getting into another category though, is income to debt ratio, which is very important to me. In fact, this trumps almost anything else. Now, obviously I think most of my readers understand on the blog, most of the people that listen to the podcast, I'm extremely conservative. I have debt to income of zero. In fact, it's negative. And I have a debt to cash on hand, well, part cash on hand and just investments and like my investment accounts, and everything of negative. That What that simply means is that my income is greater than my debt and my savings money and markets is greater than my debt. That is not how it always was. I'm not saying that it has to be, right? But I just, it's important to understand that that's how I kind of view personal debt. Now, with that said, I have well over whatever, $30 million in debt to my name that I've signed on the line. So it's also interesting that we make a change here in how we view this debt, but your debt to your income is outrageously important, Because this is the thing that will determine not only your loaning, how much you can get, how much banks view, but this is lifestyle type opportunities. If you have a job and your debt makes up 45% of your income, and most of the times people look at that, that's pre-taxed. You are simply working to pay off debt. Mm -hmm. That's your life. That's you wake up every morning to make sure that the bank makes money, to make sure that the car place, they get paid right? Yep. You're not paying yourself. You're not stacking away. Like you were talking about 50% of your income in an account. That's not happening.
1: I am. I think I am at 50% though, yeah. th- uh, because of how my real estate's set up. Cause, uh, cause I think yours is, is your real estate personally secured. Better route. Some are, some aren't. Cause I know when I go to get my loans, I am, it kind of rides the line and I'm, I'm, I'm younger. I'm, I'm 25. I don't care. Like, yeah, I, I do care. But at the same time I already had nothing. I, I, I can go back to nothing. It's not a huge yeah. deal. It is a huge deal, but you know, What I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not, I can do it again. But I think like I'm at 50% only because I carry so much debt in real estate, and my income, my income-producing real estate. Yes, yes and and so okay, yeah. So it, it looks like I'm carrying a massive amount of debt, like a, like seven hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. But it's not seven hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. I don't even pay it at all. Like yeah. it, All my tenants pay it. Yeah. And so how you structure how it, how you structure it makes all the difference. Right. Because if you, if I had a seven hundred thousand dollar house and I had to pay the four grand or forty five hundred dollars a month, that would
0: just kill my opportunity and my ability to save. And no bank too, because. Remember when we talk cash flow to you and how I view it is cash flow is opportunity. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just you can spend it on a toy to make yourself look good, or you can spend it on investments. You can spend it on opportunity to grow, or you can do whatever you want. You simply have opportunity to live life in your means and right. your ways. So keeping that the keeping that high is simply allowing you to live comfortable sleep. You know, I, I heard a quote that one of the greatest blessings of the world. One of the greatest things in the world is watching your income keep rising, but your expenses never yeah. never rising. It's just like you just have more padding and more growth. And what it really amounts to is that you have more and more and more freedom. And debt, though, can, like you, allow you to have freedom, right? right? Your houses that you purchase and me, it can use to grow your freedom or it can be used to take away your freedom. That's like a gun. You can use it to feed you or you can use it to shoot yourself in the head. Either one, right? And you get to choose how it is. Financial literacy, you have to better understand how to use that tool to... Further your life and the life of others, and so when we look at it, we've done everything. You asked, uh, you know, whether some of our investments were personally financed and whether others weren't, and the we've had we have non recourse loans, and then we do have some that are personally financed, and it's interesting because we could move all our loans to non recourse loans, but we don't want to do that because it shows to like, explain why. Explain so why. one of the reasons why is non recourse loans contracts are very rigid. There is not a lot you can do because what happens is that loan now they go the only asset that we can have to collateralize is the asset that's back the loan is back. So if so, you lo-
1: if you stop paying on it you lose it and or something horrible happens. Yeah, they nothing just take happens it. to you.
0: Nothing happens. I just walk away, right. hand the keys back to the bank, right? Yep. Now with that said though, I can't go let's say that I bought that asset and I have 15 million dollars in equity sitting in it. The banks like you can't touch that. I can't. you can't go and loan on it again. Now, there's other oh, reasons see. for that. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the major reasons is, first of all, that debt, lots of times how that works is so we have what are called CMBS loans. These loans, they are actually put together with lots of other people's loans. They are collateralized, stacked all together, sliced up, and sold out on the bond market, right? This is the debt market and how the debt market works. Those are non-recourse loans to us. So, once again, hand it back to the bank and go away. But because of the contractual nature that debt is structured, it is, it is uh, collateralized and sold, you just can't make changes because now the person that owns your debt you go is a bondholder. Right. In Asia, right? He, you, know, you can't all of a sudden change the terms and everything of those loans. So it's very set. And the penalties to get out of them are great because what happens is you want to get out of that loan, they have to replace that within the bond with something else. And you got to pay the spread of that difference uh, of the interest rate that's being driven. And not. So if the interest rates skyrocket, that's really good for you if you locked them in lower, right? Because the spread is in your favor. Yeah. But in low interest rate environments, that's not good.
1: So you do both to do both. one kind of make sure that some's like unsecured, you're mitigating risk. But at the same time, you want to be able to borrow on your other loans because
0: you guys do do that. You guys pull money out to go buy other projects. Yeah. Perfect example is we may be doing one now. We have a facility that's distressed that we just, just were signing the docs this week, but they just need a cash out. So we'll spend a few million dollars to cash it out. We've just got open lines on our assets, everything. We'll just throw the money over there. Because what happens is when we can do that, because it's a line that's backed by assets, we don't pay taxes. We're not taking those money out of bank accounts, realizing those gains, paying taxes on it to buy it. So a $3 million facility costs us $3.6 million, right? Nope, we use the debt to do that, to reduce our taxes, to further grow our portfolio. And then we just put a traditional loan on it, then repay back the lines immediately. So in a three month period of time, all things equal, nothing changed. But with collateralized loans or non-recourse loans, you, you can't do that. You can't move money around because yeah. they're like, you're not guaranteeing it. And two, for us, we have such low debt to equity ratios, ratios like below 50% to a point where a lot of people were like, you are really not utilizing your debt, which may be true. And there's reasons for it. But the rate you guys are still growing it it's, far exceeds most people. Exactly, like,
1: they might say that, but at the same time, your your growth rate, like <laughs> compared
0: to the people criticizing you, is not even similar. Yeah, because we use you it so much capital and we have so much capital, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we can have our resources to move immediately <laughs> right. when we want it. It's and not two, even a hesitation banks to buy that. Facility. Just come to us and say, "We go buy more, please, yep, yep. please go buy more." And we're like, "We will." Then when the time's right, so then when the time's right. Somebody gave us a call like yesterday. We say, how about this? We'll just cash them out as long as there's no more offers. Like, we don't want you to go to market. We don't want you to do any of that thing. Yep. We'll come in, we'll write a check, give them at asking price, but it's done. You're yep. not taking this out to other people. And so because our low debt to equity ratio, we have those Relationships with banks and they know we manage our finances better than yeah. they do. So they have that trust in us because we've done that so well. And that's why we do that. Now we don't in all, only one of our deals, do we have investment partners things. So it's not that complicated. So we're able to do that. And that's allowed us to grow. Now that took time, but it's a perfect example of how you can use debt, not only wisely, but extremely wisely.
1: Yeah. I uh, mean- on a smaller scale. No, yeah, exactly. I uh, like I just, on that property that doubled in value, I just finalized my line of credit on that because you, you just said, why would you sell it? And, and I was thinking, well, maybe I do sell it, but then I'd either have to 1031 it to walk away with my half equity, like or because like, it's it's worth 300,000, let's say, and I owe 140. So I'd, I'd get 160, but I have to pay 50 grand in taxes probably. So I was thinking rather than worry about 1031ing it, because there's nothing really to, to 1031 to yeah. get into. But I was like, I'll just get a line of credit on it, sit on the line of credit. As long as I don't pull it, it just sits there for 10 years. And when I do pull it, it's only interest only. So if I had a project or something I wanted to put the money into... I could pull, even if I pulled the whole, I think they do uh, 80% or 75%. I could pull all the 80 grand out that I have on the line, put in the project, and have the rent that the tenants are paying cover my interest-only payments until whatever project's complete, refinance, and get and pay, up, pay that line off. It's, that's yeah, that's exactly. how you grow
0: it. That's how you grow it. Now, I want to take a step back in time, because we're talking about this, and I can hear somebody listening right now in their car going, <laughs> you don't remember 2008, do you? Right? right? Okay. First of all, not only do I remember, we survived it very well. And let me talk about this. In 2000 and from 2005 to eight, we bought nothing. I was going around and I was underwriting four plexes and apartment because all my friends were getting rich on real estate. And I was an idiot because I couldn't figure it out. Like, I'm like, I don't get this. I'm so dumb. Everybody I know is rich. Everybody I know is getting wealthy my wife's just going to keep working at her waitressing job. I'm going to keep trying to sell health benefits. And we didn't. In fact, we went the opposite. My father and I, and to get most people in our family, we just paid off all our debt, all of it. So we had like no debt whatsoever. So 2009 rolled around and my family had zero personal debt. And uh, then we were ready to buy. And the reason, though, why we didn't buy is not because we predicted a market crash. It didn't happen. We didn't buy for years just because it didn't make sense. The numbers didn't work out. We don't buy to create equity to flip. Right. Right. I buy off cash flow. So the assets that I'm borrowing to buy other assets, they still cash flow just fine. They pay. Whether... The price of our equity goes, or the price of our facility goes from a six cap to an eight cap or some things that are just have nothing to do with me and have to do with the market's demand to consume assets. That doesn't matter. My tenants still pay pay the bills, right? And that's really important to understand. Our borrowing is based upon income. We could talk about this debt to income and also business income. We keep low debt because we like high cash flows. Then we can tap in and tap out of that and keep our cash flow solid. So there's another reason why I dislike consumer debt. It's because of all the things that we learned in the prior crash. Another thing that I dislike once again is speculative. So now we get into what we'll call our third category here. And this is really important when we talk about debt. It's risk. So I see people that go and they borrow $15,000 to join an MLM. Or start a business on a loan. Or start a business on a loan with no business experience. With no business experience. They're <laughs> Don't just do simply that, by the going to. <laughs> That's you know a, a bad doing, idea. Right? And exactly. You're going, you are borrowing to borderline gamble. And you're like, that is so you, scary to me. You might have
1: better odds gambling <laughs> exactly. than making a success. And I'm not joking. Like Yeah, absolutely. Like, put it on red. Exactly, because yeah, it, it, yeah. now
0: you have fifty-fifty odds, well, yeah, <laughs> red or black. Yeah, you don't that's have. Better.
1: But you people would think that you, uh, my odds are good when I start this business because I have a friend or, or I know this. But at the same time, if you've never done it, and I, I just think about people starting physical businesses with debt, doing a restaurant or doing like yeah. a store, and I just think that your costs and your time. It, the the debt you'll just it'll you'll swallow it'll swallow you you won't even have the optic. like you won't even get off the ground like we have a a main street in Boise in Meridian Eagle Road and you go down Eagle Road and there's a new restaurant every six months absolutely like All popping the restaurants up popping up churn yeah least. it's a churn you got like maybe two to three other than fast food joints a
0: huge road the the biggest road in our state
1: yeah and and there's probably what do you think fifty. Restaurants, yeah. yeah I'd say, and, and I'd say maybe two or three have been here there since 2008 okay. because they turn and one good luck, good luck competing with all, everyone else on the street. I mean, unless you have like credible business experience or you're bootstrapping it, I mean, I would never, ever, ever, ever start a business on debt. Keep your job, build the money up, start your business, and,
0: and keep your job through the business. And one of the reasons of just like what you said there is, it's debt is really easy. To get what you want, all all your, all debt is is to get what you want now today and you're pay for robbing it, later. it and pay for it later. Yeah, you Future think oh you.
1: we can do it? Yep. Yeah, our projections show this exactly. Yeah,
0: that's never how it works. Never. Businesses take years and business and plans don't so really. Much business plans don't matter. Yeah,
1: they. <laughs> the next day you write your business plan. The next day it's out the window. Yeah, and you're just trying to make things work
0: because and and this is important. I think investing in business does not matter about you. It matters about the consumer. It doesn't matter that you think your business is amazing unless the person writing the check thinks it's amazing, which you do not know until that money hits your bank account.
1: And just to talk on this, like when you do have a successful business, like I I, I built my business with no debt. It's all uh, because I kept the job for four years and that's a trade off you can do. But now when I look at it, I will use lines of credit and i i kept building my line of credit without using it so now i can go to the bank and, and have a gigantic line of credit so cuz cuz inventory based businesses do have cash flow fluctuations especially with how they depending on how they sell the product but what and this is i didn't learn that one of my buddies told me this and i was like oh this is genius once you have a consistent selling product through one method of advertising and you know it can sell and you should stop funding it through cash flow, and you should use your lines of credit to fund the currently selling products, and use your cash flow to keep growing the business. And like it's like obviously that's a good idea, because but, the I, risk but you don't is think,
0: nothing. it's already that's cash right. flow coming in,
1: and it's you don't think about proven. that going into it. You're like, oh yeah, because it basically pours jet fuel. Because if you're spending let's say twenty thousand dollars a month um, restocking your current products, or your current product are good and. That $20,000 is all you have, but it, you know it sells good. You just have these massive cash flow turnovers and inventory turnovers. Well, just get your lines of credit set up or your loan set up. Use that loan to do something that's a credit. Like, like you know it's going to work. It's not even a question. And, and if it is a question, because it's, it's a low risk. Working. Yeah, it's already working. Mm-hmm. And it's been working. Yep. Um, use that to fund the, those orders. Use that 20000 in cash flow that you were making or 10000 or whatever it is. And use it to hire somebody or expand the business, new sales channel. Okay,
0: right there. Hold on, you gotta stop. Everyone needs to understand what Rock just shows. How he used uh, his debt. He used the debt to cover known returns, low, low risk activity. Yeah. It's already happening. It's been happening for years. He used cash flow to then go and try new products, right. hire new people, and do things that are unknown. So. The cash flow is going towards activities that I don't know how this is necessarily going to work out. And so I do burn money.
1: Like, I've lost money, like, for yeah. sure on new products. Like, you
0: always will. Yeah. Any yeah. business will
1: lose money trying new things. And doing I, new would, things. I would, yeah. I, like, and I don't worry about it. I don't even think about it because one, I knew the expectation going in 50 50, right? Yeah. That, that's a 50 50 opportunity. And I'm willing to take the risk. I'm not willing to take the risk on debt but i also think let's talk about this this car so i bought i bought a, a range and then people are like people look at it and like oh you spent a lot of money on that and oh that's kind of an unnecessary expense and the way i looked at it was i bought it private party way below value i could i could sell it for probably net 10 grand off of it but the way i structured it was i bought it with my business and the reason i did that was if a car's over 6,000 pounds, you can write off the entire thing. And I knew my tax bill at the end of this year is going to be massive. So I was going to pay this money to the government anyway. And because you want to merge consumer debt, like talk about consumer debt and making it work with your life. I was able to, because I already was basically making these payments on my other cars. So I sold those other cars under my personal name bought this car, which is co- like, it's collateral for the for my bank with the business. So I just shifted my debt into my business and then I'm able to write the entire thing off. So a car that's worth, and it'll continue to depreciate, but, but I could drive it for another 20 to 30,000 miles and then sell it and probably break even get rid of it. And I, I have about a $20,000 buffer in there.
0: And two, you get to write it off. So it's the money comes to you. Exactly. That's the same reason people mm-hmm. we, we buy planes. It's but it's not how thing.
1: you, but yeah, but from the, from the normal person's perspective, it looks like, oh, you're, they're, they're spending the money. Because if you
0: were doing it personally. Yes. Out of your personal horrible finances. Idea. Horrible idea. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no write-offs. There's no anything. Yeah. You just lose money.
1: And here's another point. Like I don't pay for the car. Like I'm going yeah. to, I, I bought a cash, but I'm going to get a loan on it. But here's the thing. When you go to sell a, bu- a business, they look at your your seller's discretionary earnings, which is your net profit plus your salary and any compensation that the that the the officers get, and I made sure with this before I bought it. The car payment, one the interest can be written off, and any repairs, which on a range they're high, but also it counts towards discretionary earnings. So if I ever go to sell the business, Thanks. all my stuff gets recaptured in into my value because they'll look at it and say, oh, this, all these expenses and whatever, which I'm fine with the business doing it because the business is on a good growth rate. And so at the end, it recaptures. And I think if you're going to buy, like if you're going to do a consumer purchase like that, make sure
0: that you don't do it personally. Yep. That's how my truck's owned by our business. But let me be very clear. I've I've, I've seen people do this where they're like 1099 employees uh, or 1099 contractors because they're part of an MLM or whatnot. They really, it's a side thing. They don't really make a lot of money, but they buy a car and they say, oh, I'm writing it off. There's so many problems with that. And it's really important to understand that what we just described is not that. When you write it off because your personal finances, because you're just simply taking a loss on it. And you're in the lowest tax bracket almost already yeah it, it it does nothing this is not business finances this is not you don't get above the six thousand pounds you don't get a but it, none of that happens or applies that's just justification to do what you want to do. Yeah. And you should yeah, talk
1: to your accountant
0: yes. and you
1: should figure out your tax bracket and how much you have to pay. Because we forecasted every, every couple months, I'm looking at what, my, what I'm paying because mm-hmm. I, I, like that's already accounted for. I'm, I'm not going to get hit at the end of the year and, oh, yeah. you have to pay 40 grand. I know going into it how much I'm paying. And then I, I'm, my whole year is basically figuring out what can I do to push that number down and, what, and push myself forward. And I think that's like we talk about that all the time, like all the time, because because you guys have so much real estate you can depreciate. Mm-hmm. And I do, I'm I think if if you're listening to this, obviously, you have a you want to have a high income. You need to balance that with making sure that as your income increases, you know, or you have an accountant that knows how to work your taxes down.
0: Because, because not to get off on a tangent, but taxes no, meaning, will taxes well, will keep and you debt applies into taxes. So yeah. this is this is important because uh, a perfect example is so at my level of income, if I went and bought a single family home to rent out, I can't get dedu- deductions for that. Right. So at my income level, the only deductions I can get are through commercial real estates, which is judged. Totally different in how the government applies things, so that's also very important to know. If I had to pay debt on a single family home, and I had to pay the expenses, the debt, and I get no tax tax benefits, I'm not going to get a return. That's actually probably fairly risky debt for me. So I'm like, well, forget the you know three hundred thousand dollar or two hundred thousand dollar home. I, I got to get something a million plus because if not, it, it's that's actually puts me in a worse situation yeah. which is weird to think about but it's true and that's when you need and i think a perfect example when we're talking about risk is understanding that debt and the risk of debt is not the same across all lines and so if you have secured real estate assets right versus and or product lines or versus new ventures startups you can't equate debt to invest a lot of people use that, and I and I don't like it because I don't believe it's that simple. Like people, like, oh yeah, well, I use your debt to invest, and that means they took out ten thousand dollars and bought the S and P five hundred. And I'm like, that's not the same. You're putting debt in that you're put you're getting debt at four five percent, hoping that you're going to get a seven percent return and make a spread and make a spread on that, which is. Astronomically risky. Yeah, your and it and, won't work because yeah, your fees, everything else. So there's different ways of looking at it. Or, like you said, you take out a loan to go start a business which you have no experience in. Instead of getting freedom, you're actually trapping yourself yeah. and you're barricading yourself into this dark, dark place that you can end up being and going, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Investing in business is so, so scary, Yeah. right? Well, it shouldn't be, and it's not supposed to be, but if you do it wrong, just like consumer debt, It'll can. Trap it can you. trap you and it can yeah. bury you especially like
1: cuz most of these physical businesses or or i mean any type of business will, will lease an office and those those triple net leases that are long term like i i've been avoiding expanding warehouses because their leases everyone's lease structures are so like one's commercial real estate and they're trying to make money obviously but it's so like a, like aggressive in a way where for a small business the odds of you covering your lease rate, covering all the other expenses and overhead that goes into it, and making a profit, it's not it's not even worth it. Yeah. So so you gotta start
0: small and build your way up. I don't understand why people go get these beautiful Places that they're leasing out, and, and I, I think that's a perfect example. So it's many whole, people use yeah. debt for show. Yeah, it's, it, it's I'm just showing off or whatnot. And if you go back, so you can go to my Instagram or to we made a YouTube video of it on cash flow to freedom on a YouTube video where we show our office and we we talk about it where we moved in and and the reason we chose we actually we're going to build this huge office on this great piece of land and everything. And we got to the point where we were just like we can do it. We can afford it all day long. But it would have been sweet too. It would have been. It like, would have been totally I had
1: sweet. It, I had it set up so that we had the biggest aquarium in the <laughs> whole like, in the whole state.
0: We were going to build the the biggest aquarium in the entire state just in to the say office. we did it yeah. in our office, <laughs> which right there tells you uh, something. So, uh, we decided we're like, okay, hold on. This is great. We could, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. And we thought we're real estate investors. I got to make sure that we're practicing what we preach. So instead we went and bought a building where we rehabbed one side, which is going to be gorgeous glass walls, security system. It's uh, open space and you can see it on the YouTube videos and the Instagram as it's coming. It's almost finished, but the other part of it is being paid for. So we bought the building and our building is being paid for by the people that we're leasing out to. Yep. So what Rocky is a, it's a, ha- house it's a hacking. office hack. Exactly. Yeah. We office hack. And that is that's a perfect example of two different ways that I could have used the debt. Yep. Right? And one is very responsible, it helps us further. We put an asset on, we lower our expenses, our cash flow increases, yet we still get the deductions, we still get all the tax benefits. So we're in a much, much better position. So yeah. for us to make that move as a company, well, that's a great position. Okay. We got like a $50,000 spread a year, right? That's awesome. Whereas we could have gone the other way and we could have gone and leased in the fancy village or somewhere else, which, you know, pays 20 bucks a square foot. And
1: the churn in those places is massive. You see new, new, new restaurants, new office people like It's not it's hilarious, actually, like, (laughs) just it's don't go in
0: there. It's a graveyard. Yeah, it is. And and you use debt to justify or to allow yourself to do things that you're trying to justify. And so you need to remember that, first of all, okay, we're going to break down to cover these three sections again here. So the first section we talked about is the plain, simple do's and don'ts, right? There's consumer debt, stay away from, right? And there's some debt that we get. It's life. You need a a house and lots of times that it's actually cheaper to buy a home than it is to pay rental uh, rates. That's actually going on in Boise as well as tons of first-tier markets. Then you need, you're in college, you need to get a degree so you can go get a job, right? Okay, we get some of these things in a car, but consumer debt pay off the cars as quick as possible along with the uh, student loan debt. Neither one of those things appreciate. They just eat away and get your cash flow high for opportunity. The second um, section we talked about is monitoring your debt to income and how that works. Remembering once again, that you're trying to increase your income, keeping your expenses low and the lower you you have your debt that allows you to invest, have more opportunities and you need to monitor that and play that really closely. Then the last section, number three, is the risk. Not all risk is created equally. And you need to make sure you understand debt can either further you, grow your empire, put you in a safer, more secured position, or it can be the tool of your your downfall, and it can ruin everything that you've done. And you need to make sure that you understand the difference. And and we talked about this in the first, there is this financial literacy that you need to go through and progress kind of as you move through it but stick to those three categories get a basic figure out the first one clear off that move to the other one make sure that your income to debt ratio is okay then look at how you can increase your good debt and try to use debt to move yourself forward as opposed to take yourself down and remember don't start a company high risk activities use cash flow low known Rate, like known risks or things that you know the future of that are dependable, predictable, use debt to finance those things and build commercial real estate product inventory balances. And that's a fairly good rule of thumb, right?
1: Yeah, that's, I, the, that's the progression and evolution of like, I'd say the, the past six years for me, like one, I was like totally like wasting my time and money and just like you, you it's a rat race. You are in a rat race because you're just living to pay yourself off like constantly. Yeah. And what you described is like the evolution of that you should go down. Like that was really concise and and well and, a, and
0: I think it's important to remember that debt is as much fabric of our economy as any other portion that there is. So pretending like it doesn't exist, doesn't help you, doesn't help anyone. Every one of us, the country, everything that you own or touch is being funded and fueled by debt. There's people that are using that to make themselves wealthy, build the United States. We don't grow without it, right? The United States product, you you get schools, you get everything comes from it. Figure out how to use the tool to benefit you. Man, that was... That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot on debt. I hope you guys, this was helpful. It's a really good one. We'll talk about it more because there's going to be work. Coming. Yeah, we, we, and,
1: we'll have to go into credit and we'll yes. have to go into inflation and how inflation plays a role into it. Yeah.
0: It does. And those are whole other segments. Yeah. So I hope this was a good intro to debt. Let us know what you think. Send us emails, talk about your situation with debt. And we would love to, once again, talk about that. I know I had those lots of times on my 15 minute Friday. I've been getting tons of those emails. Thank you. Check us out on YouTube. Please give us a good rating, you guys. It really does make a difference. But check us out on YouTube, AJ Osborne, and Instagram. A lot of things that I'm talking about that we're doing, I put there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflowwiththenumber2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.